Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep, and I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll, I'll the bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knutson crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. It is a Tuesday during the off-season. And so today we're going to bring you a very special presentation. Part two of Pace Case and Bachelor Clues. Give life advice that will help you lead whatever kind of life you want. Get whatever you want out of that life. And essentially become your best self. We are expert advice givers. If you listen to our last advice episode, you know this to be true. And so we hope that today we are going to put some lives back on track. But before we get to any of that... <laughs> We uh, we have to discuss a few bits of business. Of course, right now, if there's anyone in your life that you feel is bad at job, you can go to gameofroses.co and pick up a bad at job mug and present them with that mug, that symbol of 
what you believe uh, is their quality of service in their job. I want to see some video reactions of your coworkers getting these gifts. Oh, wow. <laughs> you're, you're like, not only... I think there's some parasocial plays to be made. Yeah, there probably are. We've, we've been getting a couple of uh, DM'd pictures and stuff to us of people who are getting their mugs now. So once you order them, it takes like a week or two to get them. But people are starting to get the initial batch of the Bad at Job mugs. It is very good to see them out there in that world. Yes, it is. And we also, our second piece of business is how to win The Bachelor. Breaking news, there will be a paperback edition coming out this month. That's the month of May. You can pre-order it now. You know, a paperback, that's just... That's just the way to go with books, you know? Then you can fit it anywhere. It can fit in your bag. It's not, you know, as heavy. It's more malleable. You can bend it up. You can hide it in a secret compartment in your suitcase when you're going into the mansion for night one, uh, Gabby Elnicky. Pretend it's just a layer of your skin and hide it in the Bachelor Mansion. Readers, future readers out there. I expect to see at least one paperback copy of How to Win the Bachelor in the mansion every season from here on out. But those are our (laughs) bits of business. Pick up that uh, Bad Job mug. Pick up that How to Win the Bachelor pre-order paperback if you haven't. And if you're interested, if you've been waiting to pick it up until it came out in paperback, that time is now. We hope everybody out there enjoys these things. And now, Pace Case, let's do what we came here to do. Let's give this life-changing advice that we are so good at. Get some lives back on track. <laughs> a lot of a lot of other podcasts, a lot of these macro shows, we might call them, have people that like to give advice about things. They Some of them even write books about how to... Uh, how to get through relationships. And, you know, we we find that even though we're just a little micro show, we can give advice too. And so here we go. We're just a little fan podcast made from a beloved recipe, getting washed out reality stars. <laughs> anyway, let's listen to our first yeah. person who needs their life back on track. All right, here we go. Here is our first um, request for advice. From a listener. Here we go. Hey, Pace Case includes my name is Ali. I hail from St. Louis, aka Ultimate Viking Country. I'm looking for some dating advice. My problem is that I'm dating book smart, but not street smart. The research suggests people make two big mistakes in online dating. One is that we overvalue physical appearance. And the second is a problem of too many fish in the sea, where people swipe left on people who have one little thing they don't like because they assume the dating pool is deep and options are endless. So I try to avoid those problems. I pour over people's profiles and think really hard and long and then swipe right a lot of the time on guys if their values and interests align with mine, even if I don't find their photos appealing. Then I go on the date with them and they aren't any prettier in person. And the thought of taking them to the fantasy suite is repulsive. And then I have to do the emotional labor of telling this person who I had a good conversation with that I don't want to give them the one-on-one rose, which leads to burnout. So my question is, how do you balance not being superficial in online dating without also burning yourself out? It's a very good question. This is a great question. It's hard out there. And I do think online dating apps specifically have... Open the whole world of dating up to all these problems that Ali just mentioned. It is the too many fish in the sea. If you find one small thing that is wrong with anybody, on to the next. You're looking for this mm-hmm. kind of perfect person in the, the endless waterfall of people that will be thrown your way on the apps. And guess what? That person doesn't exist. There is no perfect person. That is an illusion. <laughs> you must come to terms with that. 
I heard the phrase recently on Love Island, the grass is green where you water it, Mm. which is basically like the grass isn't greener over there as long as you're in a healthy, healthy relationship. It'll be green if you water it and if you work on the relationship. But as a woman who dated heterosexual men via the dating apps, and I, to be clear, I met my current partner on Hinge. Uh, so I am, I am a dating app lobbyist at this point. Mm. Uh, they are not so good at making their profiles. And that is in terms of photos. That is in terms of what they're writing and how they're portraying themselves. I think women are much better in general at cultivating their online personality and Instagram, et cetera. And this just like isn't a skill set for a lot of them. So I would, you know, cast a lot of cast a lot of lines out there. And if someone's profile is boring, it it doesn't necessarily mean they'll be boring in person. This is why I suggest that you do a Zoom date with them at first before you waste all of the time to actually go to a location with this person. Cuz often you can tell within the first minute of talking to them if there's any chemistry. Interesting. I learned that from Catherine Dudas. Do Zoom first. I don't think I ever was... Uh, have I ever done a, a Zoom initial thing? I don't think I have. But um, I will say... Grandpa clues. Look, I, I've been on the apps, okay? <laughs> now, in my day, the apps had different names. There weren't these bumbles and hinges and... I don't even think Tinder was around. Um, but hmm. one thing that... I mean, take it for what it's worth. Again, this is... I'm one of those heterosexual men you talk about who don't know how to present themselves on these apps. And I think you're accurate in that because a lot of times I would get people would say like, oh, uh, no offense, but like your profile's terrible. You actually look way better in person or whatever, that kind of shit. Oh my God. (laughs) But I always... It's because of your smiles in your your pictures? Yeah, I don't know. I probably look like I'm a serial killer or something, but I always took it as... um, like that was a strategy. You know what I mean? If you can get somebody to agree to go out with you based on your shitty profile. That is a horrible strategy. And then you show up and you're like, oh, better than expected. No, uh, I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. But dating is hard. The bottom line is this. No matter how you meet a person, whether it's through an app or you're at a friend's party or a bar or whatever, you're ultimately going to have to, if you want to be with someone you're going to have to accept some of those, not necessarily red flags, but some of the things that are not perfect about them or perfect for the the image of who you want uh, your partner to be. That perfect person doesn't exist. There's always going to be some little complication or some little idiosyncrasy, something that is like slightly off from what you want it to be in a personality. Yeah, unless you're dating like your biological twin. Okay. They're not going to be the exact same as you. <laughs> so let that be known. Do not date your biological twin unless you're looking for the, the perfect match. <laughs> Hopefully you have one. A lot of people don't. But um, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is you're going to have to accept <laughs> the person for who they are. And if you wind up finding a lot of good things about them, uh, but there's one or two little things that you're like, well, I don't know if I can handle this. They think Nick Vial's a good guy. <laughs> That actually might be a red flag. Stay away from that person. But you know what I'm saying? Stay away. (laughs) If there's like one little thing here or there, they like some type of music you don't like, something that is like largely superficial, see if you can hang in in there with that. Go on a second date. Go on a third date. And maybe even see if you can come to like these little things that maybe you don't like initially. I've definitely been uh, 
doing that to some degree in my life. I've definitely had relationships where I'm like, Ooh, roasted. you know what? I don't like this type of music. <laughs> but then the person I'm dating really likes it. I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'll give it a try. I'll go to a concert. I'll listen to some of the shit. Usually I get super high when I do that. And guess what? I, I wind up being like, you know what? It ain't that bad. I kind of like it now. Our number one dating tip, you're not high enough to enjoy your person. <laughs> Look, it, there's a reason they call marijuana the cure-all for everything. Oh, my God. <laughs> no one calls it that. And I'm not advocating marijuana abuse. Uh, but I am saying it can make food taste better and music sound better. Those are two things that it does very well. And other things. Can make other things better as well, yes. But not, it's not for everyone. Uh, you know, history of certain things can... Yeah, anyway, I... W- <laughs> we are not licensed uh, psychiatrists or therapists of any kind. No. Rest assured. That should be noted. And we have no plans to become therapists. That is correct. That also, we're not we're not in that category as well, where you might think we have more knowledge than we have. But I would say, yeah, my main advice is, I also heard this on a podcast once that you should, maybe, it, did I say this in the last episode you should treat dating apps like a wishing well where you're just throwing a penny in Mm, yeah and you only need one to work you just throw them in don't get attached to it and uh may i also recommend oh this is a trend that i've seen on tiktok and on love island have you heard this term the ick yeah it's basically saying when somebody does one thing, it gives me the ick, which is like you're suddenly no longer romantically attracted to them. Mm. And on Love Island, they're talking about it and they're like, oh, the way a guy gets out of a car, like that can give me the ick or like these tiny little things. And I would just suggest that maybe those are not things we should be focusing on. Right. The opposite should be true. Fundamental values. You should find (laughs) one or two things about the person that you're highly attracted to and focus on those. Don't focus yeah. on how they get out of a car. Focus on whatever the, the thing is that you like the most about them, whether that's physical or emotional, intellectual, whatever it may be. Focus on those things. See if you can grow that. See if you can uh, somehow evolve that into a, a stronger connection. All right. Thank you, Allie. We hope we've given you some advice. Again, we are not licensed therapists. We are just two people with life experience. Don't date your twin. And I do. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's pretty good advice. Just generally speaking, although you're not a therapist. I agree with that. Don't date your biological twin. All right, we're going to move on now. Here is our next uh, question. Hopefully we can give some good advice here. Here we go. Hi, Gore. This is Ethan from Chicago. Love you very much. I'm a musician, a composer, and uh, I have found a lot of inspiration from The Bachelor and reality TV at large. And I make uh, experimental music theater works that I call opera. And on and off, I've been poking at one that I call Ponder Shot. And uh, the idea is that you only hear one voice uh, behind the camera, so to speak, directing somebody of what to think about in order to get the most uh, pensive, best contemplative looks from the person in front of the camera. Uh, And so my question is, authentically, what do you think the producers and directors are saying behind the camera to get those perfect ponder shots? But maybe more importantly, what would the two of you, Lizzie and Chad, say to get the very best contemplative looks over the balcony thanks a lot praise be very interesting question from ethan here congratulations by the way on uh putting together these operas these sound fantastic mm-hmm. um ponder shot itself sounds very interesting as somebody who makes a little music on the side myself <laughs> okay 
I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what they they actually say to the players. I am going to imagine like all the ponder shots are just like uh, laborious B roll. It's like okay, we need to get some shots of you looking off the balcony. I bet the producers don't say anything to them other than stare out into the sky, look out into the ocean. Really, I think they get specific with it. I think they're like think about, and then they're like, what's the Think about your angst and think about how much you wish that Clayton picks you or something like that. And I think in the case of certain players, they even want something specific. I'm, hmm. You know what I'm thinking about? Maddie Prue stroking the blanket or the, what do you call it, on the window? It was a wedding dress. Oh, it was a wedding dress. She's stroking that and she's touching the promise ring. I would just be like, think about hashtag worth the wait. You know, and how great that'll be. I don't think they gave that to her. I think they were like, uh, stand there, put your hand on the wedding dress, touch it, feel the fabric. I think they're the producers of this show, The Bachelor, are literally just doing that. Give us the shot we want. In order to hide what their storyline is? Um, I think because they're bad at job. They don't care. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like all they need is the shot. I don't think they give a fuck about like what the person looks like in it as evidenced by the recent Charity Lawson photos that they fucking put out. Oh, God. Pretend like your dad is taking iPhone pictures of you at the beach. Yeah. That's what they're saying. <laughs> for fucking real. Those things were abysmal. Pretend he's going to put this on Facebook for sick yeah. people. <laughs> what? But I think the advice is like, what? how would you direct someone during those shots? What would you tell them to think about? I mean, I would go with... Um, this is kind of like an old Hollywood director's trick. I would go with something that is not germane to what they're doing at all. If I wanted them to be kind of scared. Cancer. What's the heck? You would say like, think about cancer. No, probably not. I'd probably do something more apocalyptic. Something about like, uh, think about the fact that within a year, artificial intelligence is going to radically alter every aspect of humanity. And it's going to take away your job your family, and everything you hold dear. That's if I want them to to feel very bad and be like kind of <laughs> panicky, you know? If I want them to be in that... Wait, why is it going to take away our families? <laughs> it's not, but that's what I would say, you see? Oh, okay. And then if I wanted them to be like, kind of like excited looking, like hopeful, I would just be like, I, I am not supposed to tell you this, but you're the next Bachelorette. And then I would get that ponder shot. That... Is that is a real thing? One of the bachelor producers said that she would tell the runner up that they were the winner, yeah, so that they'd be crying more. I don't know though. I mean, um, I like that. I would say, like, picture that you're about to capture like a shiny Snorlax, then I would then they would have the face of like really excited, total confusion. What the fuck are you talking about? Perfect, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, thank you very much, Ethan, for this incredible question. We wish you luck on uh, all your musical projects, including your operas, including Ponder or Ponder Shot. Let's move on now to our next question, our next bit of advice. Here we go. Hi, Pace Case. Hi, Clues. My name is Megan, and I'm based in Chicago, uh, and I'm looking for some career advice. I was laid off at the end of March as a creative producer at a small production company, and I was only there for about a year, so I'm still very familiar with the pains of applying for jobs. My first question is, how do you find energy going into uh, an often daunting process of applying in interviews? I'm having a hard time hyping myself 
club to even begin this process because I already feel pessimistic about landing a good job with decent pay under our current system. And my other question is, how do I begin my search when I feel like I don't know what to do professionally? Um, I feel like I know that I like working in the creative field. I have my master's in nonfiction writing, uh, where I did teach undergrad courses and even built out a couple of lessons around your podcast. And I had a ton of creative freedom in my last role. How do I find what might be a good fit for me? First of all, don't feel bad that you're getting laid off. Everyone I know is getting laid off right now. It's trendy. I've been fired uh, multiple times in my lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just tell you. (laughs) Chad, you're fired. Yeah, I was fired for cause a couple of times. Um, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Not even going to try and get out of those. <laughs> I worked for E! Entertainment Television one time. This is a, a little sidebar. I'll keep it quick, then we'll get to the advice uh, for Megan. Hopefully, we can help her out. But I was working for E! Entertainment Television on an old show called Celebrity Profile. It was a clip show. They would say, we're going to do a, a celebrity profile on actress Christine Lottie. And then I would, my job would be as a PA on the show would be to go get these, a bunch of tapes of interviews of her and then transcribe them all. And my producer would do a paper cut of that transcription to make the show. Oh God. So if my producer that week or whatever, didn't have a show going because it was a cycling uh, producer rotation, there would be multiple weeks where I had nothing to do. I would just get on the fucking phone and call my buddies long distance back in Texas and shit. This is when I was like in my early 20s, right out of college. And uh, one day my producer was like, uh, we need to talk. You were making long distance phone calls. That's like Grandpa Clue's version of like stealing from work. Basically just calling my fucking friend and like shooting the shit for three hours talking about Dungeons and Dragons or whatever. And eventually they were like, yeah, you shouldn't have done any of that. You're fired. <laughs> It was so fucking funny. So, yes, I agree with what Pace Case is saying. Don't be discouraged by the fact that you're getting laid off or even fired for cause. None of it really matters. Yeah. They say last hired, first fired, too. Oh, interesting. That's a thing. Um, this is my advice generally about career. And it sounds like maybe there is a little bit, um, for Megan, a little bit of uncertainty about maybe what you want to do long term. But that is the key goal to doing anything with the rest of your career. Imagine yourself when you're 55. What do you want to have done? What do you want to be doing then? Where do you want to be sitting uh, in terms of career when you are that age? Do you want to be running your own production company? Do you want to be directing movies, producing movies? It sounds like you want to be doing something in the the entertainment field. Uh, You need to zero in on what that is as specifically as you can. Sit down, take a weekend, think about it, figure it out, watch some movies that have inspired you. What made you want to get into this in the first place? What was your original goal? If it still is the same... Talk to people who are doing that job. That too, for sure. Um, But if that's still the same, then you just put together a path to get to that end goal and you stay on that fucking path until you get there, period. That That's... At least that's served me pretty well. That's basically like how I've done everything in my life. I'm like, what do I want to be like when I'm 55 years old? What do I want to have accomplished? And then I just fucking do it. Um, so that said, if you want to have your own production company, a great place to start is where you're already at. Work for other production companies. Understand how the mechanics of those companies work so that you can eventually rise to the top of one of them or have your own later on. Um, if you want to do something else in that creative field, figure out what it is. You've worked for a year at this production company, which means you've probably worked with writers, directors, all kinds of other things in that field. Do any of those appeal to you? Maybe it's time to make that break. 
I would also say don't ever be afraid to completely change whatever your career trajectory is. If you're more mm-hmm. creatively interested or you're you're more fired up about something else, just fucking do it. Don't waste a day sticking in a job that you kind of already know this isn't what I want to do. Get in that other fucking job immediately if that's what appeals to you. Yeah, I mean, we both kind of made a career change during COVID. And this has become my main career at this point. And I think I felt weird about that at first. I was like, wait, this isn't like what I was originally intending to do. But I kind of have just been like surfing it like a like a boogie board on the ocean. And just been like, you know what? This is working. I'm creatively interested in it. I'm having a great time. I love the schedule. Yeah. This is great. And I'm just going with it. I guess... For me, I view everything that I do as like an art project, whether it's writing a movie or a book or doing a podcast or whatever. They're all kind of the same to me. Um, and I, if I lock into one and I feel very good about it creatively, I just keep pressing it and see how far I can take it, how big I can make it, how crazy I can make the things it does. Like this project, for example, that we're now like coaching players to go into The Bachelor. That's just an offshoot of this basic project. But um, that that may be helpful too to kind of look at all these things, whatever your different options are for a new career path or for applying to one of these things. Just look at it as a project. Whatever job you're going to get in next won't be your last job. And the job that you're going to have next is training for the one you get after that. I That is, is something that's helped me in my career a lot. Like never be like, well, I made it. This is what I'm going to do forever now. That's never the case. It's always just a learning experience for the next thing you're going to do. In five years, AI is going to take your job and your family. So. I don't even know if it's five years, honestly. They're not going to take your family. They're actually <laughs> AI is going to give you your dead family members back. That's already starting to happen now. Oh, my God. Um, but Megan, thank you so much for the question. We hope you we've been helpful in some way. And good luck out there in the career search. It's Things are changing very rapidly. I would say, honestly, on the AI thing, Get into fucking AI. Start learning how to use some of it, especially if you want to um, work in entertainment. Like you're gonna have to know how to use some AI tool at a very high level, and they're coming out constantly now. And you're gonna be at an advantage if you get in early and know how to do the stuff already. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, let's move on. We've changed three lives so far. Shall we change a fourth? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Let's do it. Hello, Pace Case, and hello, Bachelor Clues. My name is Katie, and I, like many others, am seeking advice about my job. I recently landed my dream job, despite being vastly underqualified for it. At first, I was thrilled. However, a few months in, I am forced to reckon with the fact that despite my best efforts, I might be bad at job. Today this came to a head as an anonymous villain performed a tattle to my boss, and now I am headed for a mental breakdown faster than Christina Mandrell when she realized she was getting a villain edit. Help me, help me, help me, help me. I'm extremely for TRR and I want to become good at job. However, I also value work-life balance and I want to make sure that any professional development is contained within normal working hours so that in my free time I can prioritize family, friends, and my endless pursuit of digging deeper into the pit. Do you have any advice for getting ahead of the game at work while still maintaining a healthy work-life balance? Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Fantastic question. Fantastic question. Thank you, Katie. This is what I would say about it. First of all, you say it's your dream job. We don't know what that dream job is, but if it truly is your dream job, you got to hang on to it. You got to. 
and now you're getting tattled on, maybe you're in over your head, all this kind of stuff, you can very easily, I believe, become the best person at this job that exists at the company you're at. And it will require a small period of imbalancing work and life. If you go hardcore into this job for a month, learn everything there is to learn about it, make it every waking thought that you have is about this job. How do I dominate this fucking job? Do that for a month. And then I think you'll find at the end of the month, you are astounding at this job. Nobody is doing tattles against you. And <laughs> you can then acquiesce back down to a, a work-life balance where life now is more prominent than work in that balance because you're so good at job, you don't have to work as hard at it because you'll know it inside and out. I think at least for me, like I don't have a good work-life balance for sure. I'm all work. Like I can't fucking help it. But I will say that from time to time, when there is a project that requires me to learn a new skill, I just fucking dig into the skill. And I'm like, this is all I'm going to do for a month is learn how to fucking do this as good as I can. And then at the end of that month, I can ratchet that back down because I'm so good at that fucking skill. I can kind of do it in my sleep. That's my advice. Uh, you know, I, I take it or leave it. And I, you know, if your work-life balance is, is super important to you and you don't have a month or even a week maybe to imbalance it a little bit to get ahead of the curve, that's obviously your your own decision. But that is my advice on the situation. Devil's advocate. Please. You might die tomorrow. <laughs> I don't really see any point. <laughs> Jesus. Christ. I don't really see any point in going that hard at a career, but that's just me. <laughs> it's a dream job. She said it's her dream job. <laughs> it's a dream job, but like, how can it be your dream job if you do want to have time outside of work? I think it's fine. I think I would, you know what I would do is I would start taking notes of like how you're spending all of your time because I bet there's time that you're spending that's not for your job or for your social life or doing rest and stuff like that because I find that for me, I'll find hours have gone by and I've just been on my phone and it's not adding to any particular aspect of my life. Um, so that could be a place to look for this time. But yeah, okay, work hard for a month. As long as you just don't don't let it go. Don't let that free time go and the good parts of life that are outside of work. I'd also say, again, not to, to beat the drum of AI, but right now there are... Um certain auto agents of artificial intelligence that are called auto GPTs. I would look into that because if you can get very good at training auto GPTs, you can train them to do, I assume your job involves computers of, of some sort. You can train these auto GPTs to do your job for you better than you ever could. And then you can sit back and reap the rewards. Yeah. Optimize your life as much as possible so that yeah. every things that you need to repeat can be done as efficiently as possible. That are just a part of life. And I'd also say with the the thing that I was talking about, about going hard for a month, it's like that also, like if you just think about that and the idea of going hard for a month is like, fuck that. I don't want to do that. Maybe it's not your dream job and maybe it's okay to let it go. Maybe there's another job that's an even better suited thing for you. You know, I've definitely learned that multiple fucking times at multiple jobs where I'm like, oh, this is going to be a great job. This is going to be super fun. And then it turns out to be literal hell on earth. And you're like, I'm never doing that again. What was I fucking thinking? So I have been in that situation too, where I thought, <laughs> this is fucking exactly what I want to be doing. And then you're like, no. Specifically, I'm talking about being on a production set of television shows. I was like, mm. this is it. 
Finally, oh this is exactly God. what I, I hate being on set. <laughs> Me too. I was like, fuck so this. boring. <laughs> I, I never want to come back to this. At any rate, but look, I love the people that that do it and make all the great things, but I find it to be just so boring. Yeah, I agree. It, it is not for me. But uh, thank you, Katie, for your question. Hopefully, we've we've shed some light on this and helped you out in some way. But we wish you luck uh, with the situation. That is a tough one. Now let's move on. I think it can be your dream job, even if. You don't want to do it 24 hours a day. Yeah, totally. I honestly feel like I have my dream job right now, but I'm not doing it 24 hours a day. Yeah. It's still my dream job. Nice. Congratulations. You've done it. it <laughs> it's hanging out with my best friend and, and fixing lives. That's my That's dream right. job. <laughs> I, I literally never thought I'd be giving advice to anybody about anything in my life for any reason whatsoever. I think you give great advice. Oh, thank you very much. I try my best. Um, I love your advice. Clues' advice for podcasting, which is two parts. One part, confidence, and two parts, volume. And that's all you need. That's all it is. You just repeat it and you do it with confidence and uh, you'll get there. That I think that applies to, honestly, anything. If you just keep making yourself do something, you will get good at it. Yeah. That's the volume. That's the growth mindset. Carol Dweck. That's right. And if you're confident, about the fact that I will be good at this, then you will be, period. That's how it works. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, let's move on here to our next uh, person who needs some advice from us, Pace Case. Fifth life to fix. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. Y you got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt. And <laughs> my um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no rollback waistband. Mm. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. 
But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash roses. That's meundies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And OneSkin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Let's hear it. Hi, Pace Case and Clues. This is Daphne from Chicago. Like Christian player Maddie Prue, I grew up in evangelical purity culture. But unlike Maddie Prue, I deconverted shortly before the pandemic and am no longer religious at all. I now have the dating dilemma of being a straight woman in my 30s with a PVC. I am not waiting for marriage and actually don't have any hard and fast rules around intimacy other than obvious ones like being safe. I absolutely do not want to date Christian men. So my question is, when and how should I play my PVC so that the man is neither freaked out nor fetishizing me? Thanks so much. That's a tough balance. Avoiding the fetishization. Yeah, it's tough. This is a tough one. Now I'm going to give some advice here. Maybe it's wrong. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's wrong. I don't think you play it. I don't think it's ever told until after the fact when you're like five years into a real long-term relationship with somebody and you say, hey, just to let you know, you know, because I would say odds are statistically, whoever the person is that eliminates the PVC may not be the person you wind up with in a long-term relationship, right? We've already heard. Probably not. From Daphne of Chicago. Everybody seems to be from Chicago. But right. If it's just some kind of thing that, you know, maybe casual, maybe isn't, maybe it's a little more than casual. Maybe it's a situation ship type deal, whatever. Who knows? Who knows what the first person is going to be that is in your life in that capacity, but it's statistically unlikely that that will be the person you wind up with forever. And so I would not play it. Hmm. I would just go out. I would do whatever uh, you're going to do in service of this, in this dating life. And then eventually you're going to wind up with somebody that you're going to probably be with forever. And they don't need to know because then the PVC will be gone by that point. 
I think it would be it's a hard thing to uh to play, I think, in a dating scenario and and have the guy not like you're saying, either fetishize it or potentially be scared away by it. I would disagree on this one. I would say find a person that is like find a situation you know, that's like you're casually dating, but it's someone that you feel safe and comfortable with. And then and then I would explain it in exactly this way. And I would just say, look, it's not a big deal, but I do feel like I have to be honest with you. And I'm not looking for this to be some sort of marriage, some sort of like life altering experience or whatever. But I would be honest just just because the first time you want you don't want it to be. I mean, I don't know. It's definitely an over um, people make it a much bigger deal than I think it should be. but it can be uncomfortable the first time. And I think you want someone who's going to like help you navigate that. But just be like, look, it's make it as casual as you can. That's what I would do. I retract my advice and agree with Pace Case. She has this one right, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Bestie. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe I'd still hide my PVC, but uh, no, I think I think what you're saying is probably way better. I think it's like if you don't want to tell them, I think that's fine, too. Like, yeah, you're under no obligation to do that. Obviously, you don't have to. I would just get it done uh, ASAP and just and try out a bunch of people. That's what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. You want to play the field. <laughs> you want to. Ha- yeah. sow your wild oats safely. Absolutely. But congratulations on um, renouncing God and not being religious anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Daphne, for this very personal uh, bit of advice. We hope we've been helpful. I don't know that we were, but we tried our best. I don't know. But, you know, I had a friend who was a late PVC player and was the same thing, not religious. And she she did. It was someone she was like kind of casually dating and, and she did tell him and it was fine. Okay. Now she's married to someone else. Great. Well, there you have it. Dreams can come true. Mm -hmm. And now let's move on to our next question, probably from someone in Chicago as well. Here we go. Hi, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues. My name's Emma, and I am a mental health therapist. And I recently moved to Los Angeles. I'm still working on building my community. And right now I work from home and do virtual counseling which is cool and all, but sometimes I miss, you know, that connection, you know, being a part of something. And I was thinking to myself, you know, what would be my dream job right now? And I realized I want to be the therapist that ABC hires to emotionally support the lead and the contestants on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I've heard rumor that such a person exists behind the scenes, and I want to be that person. I think I would be great at that as a pit dweller. So do you have any advice for how to get in touch with ABC and be considered for this role? I think it would be so cool. Thank you. Bye. First of all, in your interview, I would not say that you are a big Game of Roses listener or in the pit, any of this terminology. That is correct. I I don't know. I mean, this is a very interesting question. Thank you for submitting it to us, Emma, from Los Angeles, finally. 
We got an LA icon. <laughs> uh, as somebody who is also an LA icon, this is what I would do if I was you. And again, this is this is a long shot because you're literally talking about one person has this job <laughs> and that person already has that job. So mm. you are trying to usurp the job. You're waiting for a job opening that may never come. This may be like a Supreme Court nomination. You might have this job <laughs> till you're dead. I don't know. I don't know how it works. But you're not actually contacting ABC. You're contacting NZK Productions. That's a production company that makes The Bachelor. They're the ones who hire this person, I would assume. Maybe Warner Brothers, who is the studio, but it's definitely not ABC, who is the network. Um, you know what I would try to do, actually, is I would try to get in with Warner Brothers, and I would look up if Warner Brothers has some kind of mental health uh, facilities and services for people in their shows for actors, for people who work on the shows. They may have something like that. I'm, I'm not sure, but it seems like they would. They have like intimacy coordinator, I know is like a big thing now. And maybe that would be something that I would start. To, I don't know if those are mental health therapists, but there definitely are jobs like that. I don't know where you start this search. Shit. I think you you have to try and get a job at one of the big networks or studios. If it can't be Warner Brothers, if it can't be ABC, go to CBS, go to NBC, yeah. go to Fox, go to Sony, go to any of the big studios, Paramount. Get the equivalent job on a smaller show. Exactly. Or just at a, a rival place. You just want to be in that industry. If this is literally what you want to do, you have to become a mental health provider for the entertainment industry in some capacity. Again, whether that's on scripted shows, movies, whatever, all of these big corporations have these kinds of services now. And I, you could probably get a job with one of them, I would assume, especially if you have some experience. Yeah, or through like, um, you could maybe go through one of the guilds, like the Actors Guild or something. Yes, that's a great idea. SAG. SAG or WGA. They all have their own like health insurance type programs. And I would just see where people are getting those services. But welcome to LA. I hope you love it. Yeah. And if you do wind up becoming the therapist <laughs> for The Bachelor, please keep in touch. We'll have some questions for you. Yeah. Posted. <laughs> oh, you know who you could contact? Contact the therapist who was on Brad Womack's season. Find, figure out who that person was and contact them. Ask them how they got that job. Well, that was Brad Womack's therapist. I know, but it was an on-camera. Don't you think it wasn't his personal therapist? Don't you think it was like a bachelor one? You think it was? Yeah, it might have been. You're right. might have been fixed. Yeah, look that up. Maybe that would help. That person might know. Possibly. But definitely look to the big studios, the networks. See if you can get into their mental health services departments. And once you have had that job for a little while your name is just going to start getting thrown around. That's a very small circle. You know what I mean? And you might be in contention for it. And then if you make it known to The Bachelor, to NZK, that this is something you're interested in, uh, again, I think you just have to wait for the therapist that's there now to die, and then you're in. Or reach out to the Italian therapist that they had recently. Yeah, I interviewed her. Um, all right, let's move on to our next Life to Change. Here we go. Hey everyone, I'm looking for some advice on tear play. When me and my paramour first started dating, I was going through a lot of crises in my life, and so my tear play was out of control. Since then, my life has stabilized a lot, but my tear play, alas, is still not under control. 
and it results in me crying at almost anything in any conversation with my paramour. He is very supportive and wants me to know that my feelings are allowed and that I should get to be as emotional as I would like, but he does understandably feel guilty when he and I are having arguments and I just start um, with some crazy tear play, and so it usually ends some of our more productive conversations. I wanted to know if you guys have any advice on how to keep that tear play locked down. Well, one of us has our tear play locked down more than the other. Clues? <laughs> Indeed. I have some advice. To the nameless tear player who's asked for this um, advice, it's very simple. You detach any emotional connection to the human experience. You essentially become a robot and you'll stop crying right away. It's great. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. It's how I've lived now for decades and it's how I'm going to live until I die. <laughs> well... I have a different take on it. First of all, I spent a very long period of my life feeling bad about how long, I, how much tear play I was doing. And I was like, this is bad, whatever. And I would just say, it's actually beautiful. And I feel bad when I picture myself in a person who like can't cry or like aren't as in touch with their emotions. Like I feel like they're, they're maybe missing out. Because tears can be uh, healthy. But I would probably, <laughs> honestly, I would start journaling about it. And I would keep track of when you're crying. Hmm. And whether there are times of day where you're less likely to cry in these conversations. Like perhaps in the morning might be better than at night. Uh, I would take out any drugs or alcohol if those are also um, involved in these conversations. And... Yeah, I would just try to get in a really good headspace before you're going to discuss your relationship. Um, I know like weekly check-ins work for a lot of people where it's like you're you're not talking about things in the heat of the moment, but you're bringing it up as part of like a managerial meeting about the relationship once a week, which might sound bad, but I like it. Interesting. I would also say if you look back at past tier play players like Ashley A. Kennedy, for example, her style of tear play allowed her to continue to speak and to even laugh while she was crying. And I think that especially if the tear play is more of just kind of a biological response and it maybe isn't even anything to do with like a, a huge, strong kind of negative emotional reaction or anything, if you can laugh through it, you can still get the physical tear play, but still maintain the conversation and make it known to your partner that you're not really so emotionally distraught that it's causing you to to shut down. Yeah. Um, it may just be a slight tweaking of your tear play style. Tweak the style and tweaking of your partner's response too. If they're like taking it so personally each time, I would be like, this isn't, it just happens. It's like you have a loose tear duct. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. 
jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Yeah. And if none of that works, just always remember, every living thing will die an arbitrary death and nothing matters. <laughs> that usually gets me through the day. All right. Thank you very much. Nameless tier player. You should just say that and answer to every question. <laughs> what are you worried about for? You're going to die. <laughs> Arbitrarily. And everything you've done will amount to nothing. All of this that exists on planet Earth will be turned to dust, ripped asunder by a giant exploding star called our sun. No, that will happen. Unless we get off this planet, every human endeavor will be turned to ash. You don't know that it means nothing. Having no consequence. You don't know for sure that it means nothing. Okay. So You're right, but I assume that it does. Let's move on, shall we? Let's see if we can change one more life. Here we go. Come on, bestie. Hello, certified professional advice givers, Pace Case, and Bachelor Clues. Um, so I'm turning 23 pretty soon. Um, and as a gore girl through and through, um, as anybody has said, I'm a slut for gore. Um, I want to have a Game of Roses themed birthday party. Um, to be super clear, I don't want like a bachelor or bachelorette themed party. I want a gore birthday party. I am determined to drag all of my friends into the pit. And I need your help. How do I throw the perfect gore-themed party? Both of you, as well as the Dark Seeker, will of course be invited. Um, and I look forward to hearing your um, party planning prowess advice. Got another nameless person seeking life-changing advice here. Happy to give it. Gore birthday party. I mean, this is very flattering. First of all, thank you for even uh, mentioning that you want to have a gore-themed birthday party. I would say... The best gore-themed birthday party is probably going to require you to rent some kind of a giant digging machine. <laughs> and you're going to have to dig what I would say is at least a 50-foot deep pit. And you want to put some little stairs on it so that people don't have to fall into it necessarily. But you want to hold the entire party at the bottom of this pit. In my opinion, that's just the location. So you're going to have to find somewhere where you can dig the 50-foot pit and where you can <laughs> dig it wide enough to hold however many people you're going to invite comfortably. You can... Rent out uh, construction uh, machines. I know that they they did that on Vanderpump for some for some celebration. Um, I was also thinking that you're gonna want to do it in a giant hole. I don't think necessarily that you have to dig the hole. Um, I also think that you could decorate your apartment or house to look like a giant hole and like you're at the bottom. You know, there should be very little light. It should be candlelit. Mm. I think that you're going to want to have, 
I mean, I'm automatically thinking about the decorations and the costumes. The costumes? Oh. <laughs> okay. You know, you can you are like you can only dress as one of these things. And luckily there'll be an easy one. You can dress as bachelor clues. Just a black, simple t-shirt with what? Black pants? Jeans? Yeah, black pants, black shirt is pretty much what I do. Um, you can dress as a squirrel. You can dress hmm. as any of the gore girls. I think that you should absolutely have, you know, it's kind of an overlap with what we were saying about the the limo exits last week or two weeks ago for a party. I think that everyone coming in with their own limo exit is amazing. It's bachelor and gore themed. I think for food, you're going to want to just make people gruel and... um. For drinks, I think you just serve marijuana. I agree with these things. I would also have a password. I would make the password Goldini, probably. Mm. Um, if no one says Goldini, they they will be denied. They will be locked out of the party and laughed at. I think you should definitely do that. You're going to have to have some music. Ooh. Now, if you really, truly want it to be gore-themed, it's going to just be all the songs that I've made. We're talking about <laughs> uh, Please Rate This Podcast, Bring Us the Dark Seasons, the pit song, all, all manner of songs that I made in services. Well, I definitely think you should have our podcast going on in the background or projected on the wall, maybe one of our video interviews. Oh, you should start a bunch of stories and right when you're about to get to the good part, you bang a giant gong behind you. I think a gong would be great. Or check this out. Anytime anyone is talking about anything... You should just steamroll the conversation with Bachelor stuff. You should make people talk about Bachelor no matter what. You should actually be policing your own birthday party. And if you hear anyone talking about something that is not Bachelor related, immediately change the subject. And if that person refuses to change the subject, they're out. They get to stand outside with the people who didn't know the Goldini password. Party favor, how to win the Bachelor paperback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the password. You can't come into the birthday party unless you you present a copy of How to Win the Bachelor. I mean, there's just so many weird little things that have happened to us over the course of the past three plus years that we've been doing this show. Little isms and inside jokes and stuff. I think any of them, all of them are admissible. Talk about the dark seasons. Talk about, I mean, Jesus, any of it, literally. There's so much, just a mountain of um, weird little things that, that have come out of the pit and been dropped into the pit. But I think primarily... Pin the tail on Pino and Ramen. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think primarily, if I was going to throw a birthday party that was Game of Roses-centric, really the pit is what it's it's mainly about. Game of Roses is the pit. And so for me, it's that. You're either digging the hole using a giant digging machine, or you're decorating whatever the room is that you're going to have the party in or rooms to look like a kind of cavernous some type of interior thing. Black trash bags work great for that. And you can build a tunnel with those. I've done it. Um, also, I don't know what your budget is, but you're going to want a Dark Lord Palmer standee. Oh. A cardboard cutout of Dark Lord Palmer. That's very interesting. Um, for your photo booth. Yeah, you should have a photo booth. Um, and maybe you should make the photo booth. This is less about Game of Roses, but we did do an episode once that was about um, <laughs> fetuses. You could have whatever, oh, no matter what you take the picture of in the photo booth, it, it prints out a sonogram. <laughs> we did an episode once about <laughs> fetuses. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
That's always interesting to me, the bachelor fetuses. But yeah, all great ideas. Yeah, we we hope that we've helped you here, and we wish you a very happy twenty third birthday. Congratulations on another trip around our dying star. Happy birthday. Now let's move on. See if we can change another life, Pace Case. Mm-hmm. Here is something I understand: the Bachelor as a sport. Here is something I don't understand: actual dating, specifically regarding dating apps and using them. I'm pretty new to the adult dating world, and it makes me want to sour grapes like the male great one, Nick Vial. Uh, many of the dates I've been on so far have overall just been bad, and the people I date don't seem to care about their first audience game. As experts in all things, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues, I beseech you, how do I navigate dating and dating apps as a 22-year-old pit dweller? Please be my benevolent producers and help me navigate and, well, produce my love life or current lack thereof. Thank you. We're getting a lot of these dating advice ones. Mm -hmm. This is the best advice I would give you, I think. All of these dates, don't even worry about what the other person is doing. Focus on yourself on these dates. Become the best dater you can be so that every date you go on, that person sitting across from you at that table sitting across from you uh, in the ball pit at McDonald's, wherever your date may take you. On that Zoom. On that Zoom. In the ball pit. Ew. Whoever the person is, you want to make them want to have a second date with you more than anything. And then the choice becomes yours whether or not you go on the second date. So use all of these dates as practice to become a good dater because it is a sport. I, I totally agree with that. And it's... If you watch The Bachelor, if you listen to our show, a lot of the things that happen in The Bachelor and a lot of the little game components that we've broken down do take place on dates, especially first dates. Yeah. <laughs> there are, there's always some version of a PTC on a first date, I feel like. doesn't have to be the biggest, craziest PTC in your life, but you're always talking about something, some injury you had, an accident, when you were skiing and you twisted your ankle or something. There will be some commiseration over something like that, usually. There's always like funny stories that you're telling. You're doing colorful narration. Uh, you're doing face play for sure. That always lets people <laughs> know that you're interested when your eyes get big, full aperture. <laughs> 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 my biggest advice for dating go harder on the face play oh but yeah God. have you ever been on a date with somebody who had like incredible face play no what no i don't i can't not that i can remember i've been on a few i've been on a few and they're very memorable and i fucking loved it i mean i've definitely um, had memorable ones yeah try some face play yourself then you become the face player full aperture eyes and mouth uh, we'll let the other person know that you're very interested. <laughs> <laughs> All of your dating profile pictures are just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think you, in a way, I do think face play, you know, I had two friends and let me tell you, the guy, he um, had a friend of his pick his dating app photos and it, and the, and this was a girl because uh, they're better at it just generally. And she picked this one picture of him with a llama. And then all four pictures were just zooming in closer and closer on him and the llama's faces. Mm -hmm. Hilarious. Guess what? He met his partner uh, through the dating apps. They're fucking married. They're the best couple ever. And she loved that. And he didn't even make it. Um, but it did show off, you know, he has a funny personality. I would just say you gamify it, 
you don't go on a bad date and then be like, oh my God, the world, I'm never going to find love. I would say this is something that some of my single friends do is they put so much on each date. And when it goes badly, they're like, this is, I'm doomed forever. Gamify it. Like when I was doing it, I was like, if it's bad, then I have a really good story a lot of the time. And I have so many stories, Mm -hmm. so many, even like, and the worst ones sometimes can make the best stories. I reminded my friend of one recently about when she went out with this guy who said he was an inventor. But what did he invent? And then she she went to the bathroom and then tried to end the date right after. What? Because he said he was an inventor? That's fucking cool. I would have fucking gone on a date with that guy. I'm very curious about his inventions. Look, there's someone for everyone. And that's what proves this. No, totally. You know, I, I really do think it's like, Maybe you say Tuesday nights, I'm going on a date or one or do a Zoom. Honestly, I I really push the Zoom one because that saves you a lot of time and energy. Um, But yeah, make it a game. Get one of your friends to do it with you where you're like, okay, we're both going to go on a date on Tuesday night. Then it becomes the same way that you're socializing with your friend. You're collecting these stories. Um, You know, as Katie Thurston says, do it for the story. And again, try to dominate dominate those dates. <laughs> Pretend like Dominic. it is the fucking bachelor and the person sitting across from you is the first audience. Increase your game as a player and you will become more valuable to all the other first audiences that you're going to go on a date with because they're all going to want to uh, go on that second date. And then again, <laughs> the ball's in your court. You get to now make all the decisions. Think of yourself as a detective. There's something interesting about every person and you can find it. Absolutely. And again, if all else fails, just remind that person that we're all going to die an arbitrary death and everything that we've ever done will amount to nothing. Let's move on to our final... You don't know that. It could be something. Uh, sure. Opto 2023. All of this could be something. All of it could be something. Cool. Um, let's move on to our final life that we're going to change today. Pace Case, are you ready? Yes. Here we go. Hi, Clues and Pace Case. This is Chris from Dallas. I used to have the best job in the world. That's not an exaggeration because the whole time I had it, other people wanted it. I can't get into the details too much, but a few years ago, I lost that job. I've tried to stay busy since then. I started a podcast, I got engaged, but nothing gives me the thrill of that old job. So my question is, what do you think I should do to get my old job back? Thanks. Love the podcast. Praise be, Dark Lord Harrison. (laughs) I mean, look, we've been talking a lot about AI this episode. We have not heard any of these. The Dark Seeker just sent us these, and she clearly has made an AI Chris Harrison. She did this to us, right? I feel like... Of course, yes. Yes, okay. I think I even know the app she used to make it. Very well done, Dark Seeker. Congratulations on this astounding recreation of the Dark Lord Harrison's voice. I got chills. Um, Chris from Dallas, from The Source, how do you go about getting this job back? I, I have some some crazy advice for you, Chris from Dallas. You don't want that job back. You want a different job. You want a job that is better than that job. And this goes for, I think, anyone. Love is blind. Well, I mean, that is what it is. You want to fucking sweep in and get Love is Blind. Can you imagine if Dark Lord Harrison now was hosting Love is Blind? Utter dominance. If I, my real advice would be that that's what he targets. That's what he tries to do. 
get that revenge game. This theoretical advice to an AI Dark Lord Harrison is actually applicable to a wide variety of people. And we, we talked a little bit about, um, I forget who it was that had their dream job, Katie maybe, earlier. Mm -hmm. And we were saying, is it really your dream job? That is a question I think everyone should be asking themselves kind of constantly. If you're at all unhappy with the job you're in, or you're thinking about, oh, I got to get back to this job that I had, do you really like the job you're in? Did you really like the job you had? Is it really your dream job? Because there's always a better job. Even if you're in a job that you love, there's always a better one. You can always make a move up the chain, in my opinion. I would say that this also applies to dating as well. Yeah, don't spend your time and energy on the on the uh, the dating targets that are not giving you time and energy. Just don't. That's your trauma. That's your trauma saying, if they don't like me, they must be a really high value person. No, they're not. They're not a high value. Like, no, they're just not for you. Move on. And I'd also say to Chris from Dallas, I don't know why, but I just get the feeling that you exited that job uh, with a $9 million paycheck. I would say you got the most out of that job you possibly could have, and you exited it with the most you possibly could have gotten upon leaving. I would say don't look back. Yeah. Onward and upward. Find something better. And you know what? Start spilling some tea on that podcast that you have. You have this great platform to really open up and just start sharing other parts of yourself. People don't expect you to really be sharing. Yeah. Do it. Tell us where the bodies are buried, Chris from Dallas, and everyone will love you for it. And tell us about the anti-racism work that you've been doing. <laughs> now you've gone too far. <laughs> That's my dream podcast. God. Uh, for him to do. Well, that is going to wrap up all the advice that we have. This was our part two of advice. We hope we've changed some lives for the better. We hope that our advice uh, has been helpful in any possible way. Thank you, everyone, for submitting all your questions. And again, keep in mind, we are not licensed professionals in any way. We are just two people telling you things that we think are right and we could very well be wrong. <laughs> But again, we hope we've helped in some way. Yeah, this is pure speculation and um, you're welcome. I hope all of your lives are now better. And uh, before we go, as always, what is that dwabat? It has been 7,708 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then.